All right, I want to invite you to open up to Luke chapter 11. We're going to be uh, begin at verse 33 uh, in, in just a moment, just to kind of introduce this text. This is what's been um, going on in the previous chapter. Uh, one of the teachers of the law confronted Jesus and, and said this to him. He said, good teacher, what, what good thing must I do to inherit eternal life? And, and it would be as though... Um, a, a, a young college student that was studying trigonometry or calculus were to go to his professor and say, what, what, what do I need to do to complete my degree at this point? And the professor comes back and says, you need to study adding and subtracting. Uh, Jesus comes to him and he says, what good thing do you need to do? You need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, strength, love your neighbor as yourself. Let's get back to the basics. This is what you were created for. And then in the opening of this chapter, his disciples come to him and they said, Lord, teach us to pray. And this is how he taught us to pray. And the Lord's prayer in the book of Luke is different from how it is in Matthew. And so a lot of people look at it and they say, wait a second, one of you guys messed up. It's not verbatim what it is in Matthew. Why did you leave things out? You're not supposed to hear this is, this is the rote way that you need to recite these words. You need to hear the content and the direction of the prayer. This is the point. My Father, Your will. My Father, Your kingdom. My Father, fill me with Your thoughts. Fill my heart with Your love. Forget me. Fill me with You. And everything in this chapter, and really essentially everything in the book of Luke, is transformation from the inside out. And he's going to begin focusing on this more and more with the teachers of the law. What is in you? What's inside of you? What's in your heart? Whereas the Pharisees were focusing on their actions. This is what's on the outside. This is the law. This is what, and they kept trying to catch Jesus and breaking the law, or especially breaking their laws. And Jesus kept confronting them with what was in their heart, what was in their gut, and who they were really. Um, and so I want to just go ahead and get into this verse, verse 33. After he teaches them to pray and he teaches them, ask God for anything and he will fill you, again from the inside, with his spirit. And then Jesus says this, No one lights a lamp and puts it in a place where it will be hidden or under a bowl. Instead, he puts it on its stand so that those who come in may see the light. Now, it sounds obvious, but the point he's saying is this. These teachers of the law, these Pharisees, They grew up every day. Imagine Jewish culture. You grew up in a culture where if you went to church on Sundays, maybe Wednesdays, maybe if in the South Sunday nights, you went to a place where that is where you would have received an education in in maybe the Bible. These people had a society and a culture that was centered on Torah. Every single day, they would sit there and memorize and memorize and memorize, and they knew it. By the time a young man was 13 years old in Jewish culture, and many times in history, they would have had the first five books of the Bible memorized. And I mean genealogies. Adam, Seth, Enosh, Canaan, Mahalel, Jared, Enoch, Methuselah, Lamech, so Noah, that kind of a thing. They would rattle it off because that's how I grew up. It's wrote. I know it. It's in my mind. And, and they would have this stuff. And, and so to go every day doing nothing but studying Torah. And you know it by heart. You could recite the book of Genesis. and all. If you were a Pharisee, most likely you had the law, the prophets, all of it completely memorized. Something that not even preachers and scholars, there's some that claim to do it, but you test them and they don't. It's, it's not something we do anymore. 
And to have Jesus come along with these men that gave their life to this. And to challenge them on it, especially on some basic points, was, was something very significant. And he says this, God's poured his law into you. You were raised from a child with the law. But you're like a lamp that's under a basket because it's all about you. It's not about what the law is supposed to accomplish through you. Into other lives, you're supposed to allow that, that law or God's word to manifest itself in fruit. Manifest itself in other people's lives. And instead of using the word of God to glorify God, they were using the word of God to glorify themselves. And so he says this, man, you don't put a lamp under a bowl, but you put it on a stand so that those who come in may see the light bringing glory to God. He goes on and he says, your eye is the lamp of your body. Let me get my clicker here. Your eye is the lamp of your body. When your eyes are good, your whole body also is full of light. But when your eyes are bad, your whole body also is full of darkness. See to it. How about this? See to it then that the light within you is not darkness. Now, how about that? Now, I was really encouraged by class this morning. In Jim's class, he talked. To, he reminded me that Luke is a doctor, and here he is going back to having a good eye, being able to see clearly. And he says this, if your eye is good, well, what does that mean? What draws your attention? What draws your focus? I want to share with you just a few verses from the Old Testament that they might have been thinking of as he said this. These are some powerful words here. How about this? The wicked man in his own eyes flatters himself too much to detect his own sin. That's um, Psalm 36. Psalm 119. What a prayer. How about this? Open my eyes that I may see wonderful things in your law. Verse 37 of the same chapter, turn my eyes away from worthless things. Preserve my life. I lift up my eyes to the hills. Where does my help come from? My help comes from the Lord. I lift up my eyes to you, to you whose throne is in heaven, as the eyes of slaves look to the hand of their master, as the eyes of a maid look to the hand of her mistress, so our eyes look to the Lord our God. Psalm 141, but my eyes are fixed on you. Proverbs 4, let your eyes look straight ahead. Fix your gaze directly before you. There's so much in in what is being said there. Proverbs 17, a discerning man keeps wisdom in view, but a fool's eyes wander to the ends of the earth. Finally, Proverbs 27, death and destruction are never satisfied. Neither are the eyes of men. And talking about the focus of your eye and what you take in, what comes into your body, it's very much like your mouth and your gut and your health. What is going to go into you is going to affect your health and who you are. And he says this with your eyes, it's the same thing. What do you give your attention to? What, what, what do you immediately see? Are you, driven, uh, are you drawn towards negativity? Are you drawn towards gossip? Are you drawn towards this kind of a thing? Then you are going to become that. The light that is in you can become darkness. And he says this, Therefore, if your whole body is full of light and no part of it is dark, it will be completely lit or lighted as when the light of a lamp shines on you. 
Um, the most powerful thing on the face of this planet is duct tape. So I brought some duct tape with me. I learned some history about duct tape today. Um, did you know, how many of y'all call it D-U-C-K tape, duct tape? Some of y'all, I got, I got Angela. Angela, you are the one person in this room that is correct. Did you know that this was originally called duct tape and it was changed to duct tape? I thought it was the opposite. I thought this was called duct tape and that people didn't know what it meant, so they started calling it duct tape. And then I looked up the history and said, no, this was originally called duct tape. And they changed it to duct tape. Um, How about this little history here? This was invented during World War II. It was invented to keep water out of ammunition boxes at war. And it was called duct tape, and nobody really knows why, but that's what it was called, duct tape, right? So then after the war, they came back, and they want to stay in business, So they changed the color from green, because it was originally green. They changed the color to silver, and they said, we're going to use this in manufacturing homes on ducts. (laughs) I'm trying so hard to emphasize ducts. Um, (laughs) No, they were not using these on animals. Um, but, But, you know, the crazy thing is, this is called duct tape. And do you know that you can use this for everything under the sun, Except for one thing. Guess what that is? Ducts. The one thing that this does not work on is ductwork in a home. And it's the one thing that they advertise and still advertise that it does. Um, people use duct tapes to repair their cars. <laughs> a little excessive, but they got the color right. Making boat. How about that? A boat made out of duct tape. It floats. It works. Right? Mythbusters made a plane out of duct tape. I, I want to go back and watch the episode and find out if it worked or who had the guts to try it. But making planes out of duct tape, people make everything there is out of duct tape, but the one thing it doesn't do is do duct work. So I picked this up, and this is what you're supposed to use if you're working on the ducts in your home. It's aluminum tape. Guess how it advertises itself? All purpose. And the one thing that it really does right is work on duct, duct work. And I was thinking about that. And I was thinking about all of the things that people do, all of the things you give your life to, all of the things that the Pharisees had become uh, professionals at. But the one thing you were created to do, the one thing, love the Lord your God with all your heart and love people and allow the word to flow through you. And they became masters of everything but that. The one thing they were created to do. And it's amazing how in the church and in my experience, it's been the exact same thing. When I came to God, when I came to God, I sat under a tree. And I'm going to share this story. uh, And it's important. I've shared this several times. But this is something very personal to me. And that's why I share it. When I came to God, I sat under a tree in North Austin. And I sat there every day, and I skipped lunch, and I read the book of Psalms, and I read um, the Sermon on the Mount, and I've developed a walk with God. First Peter 2.2 2 says, like newborn babes crave pure spiritual milk. And it was like that. It was like the Word of God was coming into my life, and I would read the Sermon on the Mount, and I would pray. My God, he, said, he, said, he sat on the mountain, and he said, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom 
Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Yes, God. Blessed are the meek, they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when men revile you and persecute. It's going to go on. And I took this in. And it was like a newborn babe, like, God, I love your word. Help me let this overflow into my life. But you know what started to happen over time is I grew proud in what I could memorize. And I would memorize long lists. I memorized the entire genealogy of Christ. I memorized books of the Bible. I memorized most of Hebrews. I memorized, I memorized all kinds of things. Why? So I could prove myself. So I could show myself. So I could put my chest out and say, look what I've done. I've got, man, exactly like the Pharisees. So then I was going to school. And a man, his name is Charles Spear, just an incredible hero. Man said he was teaching the book of Matthew, and he said, "Listen, if you memorize the book, the Sermon on the Mount um, during this term, you can come in and say it to me, and I'll give you full credit for the course." I went in that afternoon, went into his office. <laughs> I was like, "I've got this," and I said it like, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for this kingdom of heaven. Blessed more for they become comfortable. Blessed meek for they." And I just I was just going to go. And he got his te- eyes teared up, and I was like, "Man, I got him. I got to his heart." And he said. Shut up. (laughs) What a wise man. I love this man. He said, said, don't ever read the word of God like that again. Don't ever read the word of God in a way that brings glory to you and not glory to your father. Don't ever treat the word of God that way. Get out of my office. That's what he said to me. And he said, you come back when you can learn to read that in a way that brings glory to your father and not to you. We are not men that walk around on this planet touting our credentials, who we are as professionals. That's what the scribes did, and they lost themselves. They lost themselves. This is how. So when Jesus finished speaking, a Pharisee invited him to eat with him. Now, this is awkward. We, we just had this awkward run-in, so come to my house and hang out. So he went, reclined at the table. But the Pharisee noticed that Jesus didn't wash his hands before the meal. Now, this is awkward. Some of you, even in your own homes, you're like, you want to wash your hands? And you're kind of surprised here that Jesus didn't think to wash his hands. And obviously, Jesus deliberately didn't wash his hands. He's setting this up to make a point. So Jesus sits down. His hands aren't washed. We're about to eat. And the Pharisee draws attention to this. And whenever I get going, I always put my clicker down. I need someone just to stand up here to remind me where it is. Um, And it says this. The Pharisee, noticing that Jesus did not first wash before the meal, was surprised. Then the Lord said to him, Now then, you Pharisees clean the outside of the cup and dish. But inside you're full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But give what is inside the dish to the poor. The NIV puts the dish in brackets there. Um, And everything will be clean for you. Now, Luke does something the other Gospels do not do. Matthew, in his account, says, first clean the inside of the dish, then the outside will be clean also. But in Luke's account, he says this, give what's inside to the poor, and then you'll be clean. Now, I want to talk about what I think he means here. So I got some milk out of the church refrigerator. I was banking on this being old milk, and I was right. Um, This is really old, nasty milk. Um, 
And I, I, I quoted 1 Peter 2, 2 a minute ago where it says, like newborn babes craves pure spiritual milk. Um, when I first came to Christ, when I began bringing his word into my life, it was like some of y'all that you got your, your carton on your front porch and, and um, what is it, dairy farms, morning fresh? Morning fresh comes and gives you a fresh milk and you're like, man, I love this. But then that milk gets nasty. And the whole point of Christ pouring this milk into my life I hope this doesn't make me throw up in front of everybody because this is. No, I'm not going to drink it, man. You're. <laughs> There's no chance I'm going to drink this. <laughs> um, it, it, you can tell by looking at this stuff that this is this is disgusting. This is this is nasty. When he first pours it into your 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 cup, when he first pours his word into your life. It's beautiful and it's fresh and it's intended to be consumed and it's considered to be poured out for others. This is the idea. But what happens is when he pours this into our life and his word and his law or whatever it is, and we are not considering other people, we're not looking at other people, we're not looking at how to manifest his word through us, then it's becoming nasty in here. It's becoming disgusting in here. And Christ looks at this and he takes this bowl. And and the Pharisee says, why didn't you wash your hands? And Jesus comes back, why didn't you wash your dishes? You know, which which are you more concerned with, my hands or your dishes? This is disgusting and it's no good for anything. I think one of the most disgusting things that we could ever do is take God's law especially those of us who are accountable because we grew up in the church. You grew up with these words. You knew them from the time you were an infant. And to take those and let it be something that is just, well, guess what I know or guess what I'm a part of, but it's not something that flows through you. And to other lives, Christ sits here and says this, you become filthy on the inside. And you forget. You forget the basics. Um, In my walk in Christ... I've had to spend a lot of time. I'm like this tape. I, I, I began with a walk with God. It was pure and it was beautiful. It's amazing to me that there's people in this room that were there when I was young and that happened. And as I got older and maybe more educated, I became very proud. And I became ready to show people, to prove something to people. I love to win arguments because everyone wins arguments, right, in their own mind. And I have had to spend a lot of time trying to find my way back to that first person, the person that was by grace I was saved, by grace I was called to be a part of the body. And you forgot the fundamentals. First, clean the inside of the dish. And Luke says this, how about this? First, give what's inside to the poor. In other words, it's not about you. Forget you. It's about others. Don't think about you. Don't th- that's not where it's at. Your health and your cleanliness come from letting God's word flow through you into other lives. An amazing example happened of that this morning. Um, Tara came in wearing a necklace. Um, and this meant a lot to me. I I was kind of emotional when she told me what it meant because we've been through some things uh, together. And it has all these plastic fobs on it. 
There's a lot of beautiful jewelry. Man, there's diamonds. There's all kinds of things that, that you know, people wear. These are just plastic fobs. But each one of these fobs represents something. Um, the orange fob represents 30 days sober. The green fob represents 60 days sober. The red fob represents 90 days sober. And she's going to get a dark blue fob on July 15th that is six months sober. But the one that got me was the white fob. This was the most important one to me. Did you know that this fob, I could not believe this, represents 29 seconds sober. So you understand. Some of y'all understand this. 29 seconds sober. And for those of us that have struggled, it doesn't, I'm not talking about alcohol and drugs. I'm talking about a lot of things. I'm talking about negativity. I'm talking about addictions. I'm talking about all of the things that haunt us. That you're like, can I go please 29 seconds? And a lot of you have been there. And there's a song, and I just kind of want to close this out with a prayer song. Um, because it means a lot to me just because of the lyrics, Father God, how about this? Just for today? Man, looking at six months, I'm glad we're having a celebrate recovery meeting after this because a lot of people need this message. But looking just at the next 30 seconds, God, can you please take my life and begin to cleanse me from the inside out and just let me get that white fob going? For the next 30 seconds, let me praise you. Let's stand together real quick. And I want to just close in a prayer through this song. Father God, just for today.